Well, it's wonderful to gather together as God's people in this strange thing called the church. (laughs) We all come from different backgrounds, different families, different dysfunctions, different things that we bring together, and yet we all gather as one body. God's people. Our sign out front here at Cole Community Church says, Cole Community Church meets here. That's purposeful because we want to emphasize that the church is not the building, it's not the programs, it's the people. It's you and me. That is what constitutes the church. And we want to emphasize that. It's the people who gather here on Sundays and all during the week for various events. And that's important. We emphasize that. I wholeheartedly agree with that. But what does it mean to say that the church is the people? How should we view this group that we're part of? It seems to me that we in our culture have a hard time really thinking about the church in a biblical way. So we are going to spend the next four weeks just thinking about the church and in particular looking at four different metaphors that are given in the New Testament that describe the church for us to hopefully expand our minds some into understanding a little more clearly what the church is meant to be, this, this thing that is the body of Christ. But before we dig into our passage today, to try to gain a more biblical understanding of what the church is, I just want to share with you at least three common ways that people look at the church today and that have infiltrated really all of us in some respects because we're part of this culture. The first way I want to describe the church or the way that we look at it that's not really biblical is kind of the social club view or service club view. You know, it's like... uh, Kiwanis or Christian Women's Club or whatever, any kind of a social group like that. You look at the group and you say, yeah, there's people like me there. There's some things I'd like to do and be involved in. It looks like a good thing. So I will join this club. I will pay my dues because that's part of being part of the club is to pay my dues. I will get involved in various activities that the club has because Again, that's part of the requirements of being part of the club, and it's an expectation. But I also expect to receive certain things from this club, whatever it might be. Now, see, that's great for a club. But when we bring those attitudes into the church, see, then we, then we look at the church in a certain way. We, we view the church as something we can kind of look at and say, well, should I join this or should I not? You know, are there people like me? Is it going to be a comfortable fit? Is it going to be beneficial to me? We look at it and we decide, okay, I'll join. I'll become part of this group, this club, this church. And I will do what's called of me as part of this group. I will pay my dues, my tithes. (laughs) I will get involved in various activities because there's a lot of activities and it's expected that I participate in those activities. And... I will go regularly to the events that are offered. But I also expect to have certain things in return. I expect that if I join a church that, and I contribute in some way, that I will get certain things back. I'll get spiritual input. 
I'll build good relationships. There'll be activities for my kids. There'll be a return. And if that's the way you view the church, and all of us sometimes kind of view the church that way, I don't think we can get totally away from that. But if, if that's how we view the church, then we're looking at it as a human institution. It's all about me and the people that I'm involved with. I'm committed to a certain degree, but I can withdraw my membership at any time if it doesn't fit my needs somehow, and I'll leave. Now, that's a common way that we view the institution of the church. Another common way is what many have called the consumer view. We live in a consumer world, and we can't get away from that here in America. We are consumers. We all have certain needs and wants. And if you aren't sure that you have needs and wants, advertisers will make sure that you have a lot of needs and wants that need to be filled. And that's this consumer world. So we get used to shopping around for the best deal. We, go to, we have so many options out there. We can go to all kinds of different stores. Jeannie and I go to Costco for certain items. We, we go to Winco for other items. We go to... Fred Meyer for other items, and once in a while the Albertsons, and we all pick and choose because of convenience or price or whatever, but we're shoppers. We're consumers. That's how we live our lives in America. We are all that way. The driving force behind that is my needs, my wants. And there's many choices out there calling for us to come and have our needs met. The problem is it gets, to be a pro, it gets to be bad when we begin to view the church in the same way. Skye Jathani, a pastor, writes, In America, one's identity is now constructed by the clothes you wear, the vehicle you drive, the music on your iPod. In short, you are what you consume. This explains why shopping is the number one leisure activity of Americans. It occupies a role in society that once belonged to religion, the power to give meaning and construct identity. When we approach Christianity as consumers, rather than seeing it as a comprehensive way of life, Christianity becomes just one more brand we consume, along with Gap, Apple, Starbucks, you name it. And the demotion of Jesus Christ from Lord to label means that to live as a Christian no longer carries an expectation of obedience and good works, but rather the perpetual consumption of Christian merchandise and experiences. It's rather convicting, isn't it? When you have a consumer mentality, you're looking for the next Christian experience. Does this church, does this event, does this whatever it is, give me an experience that I'm looking for? We become consumers of Christian experience that way. Eventually, then, we look for churches that provide the most options so that we can get the experience we want for us and for our kids, just like the mall. (laughs) And those churches that provide the most and best options tend to have the most people. Notice again, this consumer view of the church is very self-focused. It's all about me and my wants and my needs. Isn't this, again, convicting? A third view grows out of that, 
and it's becoming more common today, and that is that the church ultimately is no longer even necessary as an institution. Why even gather with a bunch of other Christians? It's not really important. My relationship with God is private. I can experience Him in lots of different ways, so why in the world would I need to commit myself to a group of people who are seeking to grow in the Lord? I can do it my own way. Sky Jathani again writes, according to George Barna's book, Revolution, 20 million Americans are no longer satisfied with the options available at institutional churches. Instead, they're choosing from a proliferation of options, weaving together a set of favorite alternatives into a unique tapestry that constitutes the personal church of the individual. They might find encouragement at a community support group, worship at a third-day concert, listen to a podcast sermon, and read about the topic of the day at the Christian bookstore. While the church as we've known it fades into memory like vinyl LPs. (laughs) that third view of the church see is eventually says well the church exists to meet my needs it's not really meeting them very well so i don't even need it so i will not commit myself to a group of people i might go for this event or that event to various churches i'll shop around but i'm not going to commit myself to any body of christ and i've met a number of people right here at cole who who think that way both young and old So this is getting to be more common, as George Barna expresses. And, of course, the world around us isn't very happy with the church either. And you have events like Ted Haggard, his fall from grace recently, and and the exposure of a sin that had been going on for years as a pastor and as as the president of the National Evangelical Association, National Association of Evangelicals. And the church looks at, excuse me, the world looks at that and says, well, that's what the church is. It's a bunch of hypocrites. It's liars. It's, it's phony. So why should I get involved with that? All of these show that the church is, needs to be uh, revitalized. We need, we need a new view, a biblical view of what the church is and how we fit into it, how we belong. We need a more accurate view. Well, again, we're going to look over the next four weeks at four different metaphors. We're going to begin today with the metaphor of the body, the church as body. And I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to describe some of what it means to be the body of Christ. And we'll see that it's a creation of the Spirit. We'll see it as unity and diversity. It's not ultimately a human institution. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians begins now about spiritualities, and literally it's not spiritual gifts, it's spirituality, spiritual things. The next few chapters, the Apostle Paul will be talking about spiritual issues. And now he's turning to describe the church, and he says now about spiritual things, including the church, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand what God has created. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, as he's about to move into the metaphor of the body, he begins by saying, this is the bottom line of where the body of Christ begins. It's Jesus is Lord. 
It's submitting to his lordship. And ultimately, in the analogy that he expresses in a number of places in Scripture, Jesus is head of the body. He's the head. He gives the direction. He's the boss. How does this work? Well, it's, I liken it to our nervous system in our bodies. Remember way back to biology days? and We have a, a nervous system, and there's your brain that's connected to your spinal cord that runs down your back, and out of your spinal cord go all these nerves, and they go to every part of the body to different nerve endings. And the brain controls the whole body through that whole system, the nervous system. And they get messages back and forth from the brain to different parts of the body, the whole body. And the messages come back to the brain. When I stepped into the shower this morning, it was cold. And I got a lot of messages about that to my brain. And my brain said, okay, reach out your hand and turn the heat up. And my hand responded, thank you, Lord. (laughs) And it got warmer and I got lots of messages. Ah, that's much better. You see, that's how it works. The brain controls everything. It's the head. It's the boss. There are actually a hundred million, excuse me, yeah, a hundred trillion cells in your body estimated and they all respond to the head. He's the boss. He controls everything in your body. What happens if some cells say, you know what? We're going to do our own thing. We are not going to submit to the head anymore. We are going to go our own way. What do we call that? Cancer. (laughs) Cancer. Cells that say, I'm going to be independent. I will not submit to the head anymore. Or if part of the body is cut off from the head, the spinal cord is severed, we have paralysis. You can't even move or function. You see, the body of Christ, every one of us, is under the head. And he actually directs us in ways at times that we're not even aware of. Now, we need to learn to submit to him and say, not my will, but yours be done, and follow him and trust him. But we need to understand that the body is something God is directing all the time. He is moving us together because he's the head. And so he puts us where he wants us in the body and moves us next to people and directs us and guides us. Jesus is our head. He's moving. It's all up to him. So that means it's not really up to us to go and create a bunch of programs or try to figure out, okay, I'm going to go work it all out myself. And I'm No, it's up to us to stay close to the head. And if we stay close to the head, he will direct us where he wants us to be. Notice verses 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. What's he saying here? That the body of Christ functions with the Trinity involved as the head, directing all the time. So the Spirit, when you come to Christ, you receive the Spirit of God. When you committed your life to Christ, and you received a spiritual gift, at least one, as a way to love other people. And that was a choice of the Spirit of God. Then it says, Jesus gets involved and he says, okay, I will provide ministries, opportunities for you to use your gifts. I'm in charge of that. I'll do that for you. So God puts you next to people and encourages you to love them. God brought you here, folks. 
He's the head. You may think, well, I chose to go to church today. And you know what? God is working through that. He got you here because he wanted you to use your gifts to minister to others. And God, throughout the week, not just Sunday morning, is orchestrating life so you can use your gifts to minister to others. And then it says, God, the Father, is the one who empowers the gifts, who energizes the gifts. Literally, the Greek word is energeo, energy, where we get our word energy or power. And so God is the one who, who's in charge of the results, not us. So see how God is orchestrating life in the body to bring us together, to minister to one another, give us opportunities, and then empowering us in the process. So again, our job is to stay close to him and say, Lord, use me. This is an encouragement to realize, Lord, I, my idea, my, the reason I'm here In this body of Christ, the reason I'm here today next to the people I'm next to is because God, as head, has placed me here. And therefore, our attitude should not be, you know, I guess I chose to be here and I I don't know, I hope I get something out of it today or whatever. (laughs) Our attitude should be, okay, you brought me here, Lord. Who do you want me to talk to, encourage, serve, minister to, show mercy to? I'm here by your call, by your choice, by your will. It's a whole different attitude about gathering together as his people. See, ultimately, the church is not a human institution where we come to get our needs met. The church is the body of Christ under his headship where he is working out his will to help us minister to one another and love each other. And this body in verses 7 through 11 shows us it's completely designed by the Spirit. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Every person who comes to Christ receives a spiritual gift to carry the load, to build up one another. To one, there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now, you probably have a lot of questions about these gifts. I'm not going to answer any of them. Because I don't think that's the main point here. This is just a representative list. And notice what he says. Each one, one person gets this gift, one person gets this gift, one person gets this other gift. We all get different gifts, but it's all by one and the same Spirit who gives to each one as He wills. It's His choice. It's His church. It's His body. Some of us are fingers. Some of us are toenails. Very important. Very needed. Some of us are livers. Some of us are kidneys. But it's all there by God's choice. He's made the body and he's constructed it in a way that it will be healthy and strong and growing because of the particular mix that God has put together. So again, our job is to just find our place in the body and just do our part. Now we get confused when we look around at kind of churches and buildings and programs and it's hard for us to see that spiritual body that God's created because we see all the outward stuff. Well, I like to think of that outward stuff as kind of the clothing of the body. We do tend to see the clothing first, but it's not the body. 
The body is what God has created underneath. And all those outward trappings, they really aren't all that important. So again, the question is not, do I like it here? Are my needs being met? Are there people like me here? Well, hopefully you're not like everyone here because you have a unique gift and a unique place in the body. You should be different in some significant ways. And God put you here so that you can live out your role and your part for the common good, for the benefit of the whole body. I met with a man this week, we had lunch together, who said, you know, I've been at Cole for a while and I just uh, realized God's done some great things in my life. He's grown me in a lot of ways and taught me a lot of things. And I realized I want to learn to serve. I want to know where I fit in. And I was so excited because that's a guy that gets it. He's saying, I want to know how I can serve and minister. And it may be in a program at Cole, or it may be just in relationship and someplace outside of Cole. I don't know where God has has you to serve, but he, he wants all of us to be using our gifts. Then 11 through 13, we see very clearly that this creation is all guided by the Spirit. We drink from the Spirit. There's a unity to this body. Notice verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives to them each one just as he determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. What's he saying? He says, man, there's a lot of parts to the body and they're all a little different. You're all different. That's marvelous. And you're all from different backgrounds. He says Jews and Greeks, different nationalities, slave or free, different economic levels, all kinds of different jobs, all kinds of different family backgrounds, growing up in small towns, big towns. There's differences amongst us. But, you know, he says that's not really all that important. What's important is that we're all unified by the Spirit. We're all one. We're all one. How does that work? Well, I liken it to the circulatory system in the body. Again, think back to biology. I want to show you a picture of that. That the circulatory system, the blood gets pumped by the heart into all the different parts of the body. The oxygen-rich blood gets pumped All the different cells drink of that blood, drink of the life that's in the blood. And then the veins take it back to the heart where it gets replenished and then it pumps through again. And that's what Paul's saying. We were all made to drink of one spirit. That the life of the spirit courses through the life of the body, through every individual who knows Jesus. And that life flows from person to person as we rub shoulders and learn to love each other and care for each other. And that life is constantly flowing like the circulatory system of my body. And as we learn to drink of the Spirit and pass that on, the body is healthy and strong and growing. Isn't that a beautiful picture of who we are as the body of Christ? That the life of Jesus, the Spirit, flows through us. And I want to give you another analogy here. Think about the fact that You were developed from one cell. And you developed from one cell that had a particular DNA. And now every part of your body, 
Every cell in your body carries exactly the same DNA and it's unique to you. So that's why, you know, uh, they could take some DNA from a hair follicle or any part of your body, any cell of your body, and determine it's you because it's unique to you. Well, let me read something from uh, Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, a terrific book that describes this whole DNA. The designer of DNA went on to challenge the human race to a new and higher purpose, membership in his own body. And that membership begins with a stuff exchange, analogous to an infusion of DNA for each new cell in the body. The community called Christ's body differs from every other human group. Unlike a social or political body, membership in it entails something as radical as a new coded imprint inside each cell. In reality, I become genetically like Christ himself when I belong to the body. When you come to Christ, God infused the very righteousness of Christ in you, his DNA. Christ has infused us with spiritual life that is just as real as natural life. I may sometimes doubt my new identity or perhaps feel like my old self, but the Bible statements are clear. I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. When you come to Christ, you're implanted with his DNA and he will begin working out that DNA in you. I may begin with just one cell. (laughs) And you may be in an infant stage, but you're continuing to develop the life of Christ in you because that's what happens. The body grows. And every one of us, now this is exciting to me, every one of us in the body of Christ who knows Jesus as Lord, as head, carries that imprint of Jesus, his righteousness, that is beginning to be lived out in us. So that person you're sitting next to, you're united to them. Not because you have a similar background or wear similar clothes, or even because you go to coal. You're united with them because you have the very life of God himself in you, and they do too. And so that means no matter where you go, if you run into somebody that's part of the larger body of Christ, that you will have a oneness. And I've loved the opportunities God's given me to connect with people of different cultures, different backgrounds, different religions, (laughs) who believed in Christ, but but a different background. And yet we could have a oneness, a communion, a fellowship together that was delightful. Even though on the outward, there were far more differences than likenesses, Yet inwardly we were one because of the very life of God in us. Isn't that marvelous? So God is the head. Jesus is the head and he gives us his very life and that makes us one. You see, we're a spiritual creation, folks. We're not a human institution. And therefore, as he goes on to say in the chapter, we are interdependent. We're dependent on one another. We're made that way. Even though there's this battle and we tend to compare because we look at the outward clothing and we compare and we begin to feel like, well, I don't really fit here. He goes on to say, and I'll just read part of this, the body is not made up of one part, for starting in verse 14, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. 
This is this sense of inadequacy or inferiority. I don't belong here. I'm not a mouse like Jackson. <laughs> so I'm not important. I, I just don't do anything important. And he's saying, no, every part of the body is needed. We can't ever have that sense. Your part, you may not have discovered really your part in the body, but I encourage you to because your part is just as important as anybody else's, mine or anybody else's. The body can't function well and be healthy unless you're willing to function as your part of the body. He goes on to say, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? I want you to meet my child, Igor. I mean, that's what Paul's saying. I think he's being funny here. He's saying, what if the whole body were an eye and that's all it was? No other parts. Where would the sense of hearing be? Where would movement? Where would anything be? You, didn't, you wouldn't have a body. You couldn't function that way. And then he says, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I want you to meet my daughter, Irleta. <laughs> I mean, again, what if that's all there was? You would feel like something's wrong. All the body is needed. Your part's needed. My part is needed. And that's what he's saying. We are interdependent. We need each other and we cannot function alone. And in fact, those very parts, he goes on to say, that you think you don't need are even more important. Like the hand. You know, it's, it's very functional. It's important. It does a lot of neat things. And it could easily think, you know, I'm really valuable. I don't need the liver. But you know what? You can live without a hand. But you lose your liver, you die. The whole body dies. Every part is needed. And that's his point. We're interdependent. We cannot live without one another functioning in the body. It's a spiritual creation. So let me give you some final implications of this whole picture of, of the body of Christ. It's a creation of his. It's a spiritual thing, not a physical, institutional, human thing. Jesus is the head of the church, not you or me or even ultimately the elders or pastors. He's the head. And it's important that I respond to him, each one of us. And we are in this body. We are in the body of Christ, not by our choice ultimately, but by his. Once we commit our lives to Christ, he places us where he wants us. He gifts us and gives us opportunities to minister one another. We just need to have our eyes open and say, Lord, how do you want to use me today? That's why we're here. Therefore, our attitude ought to be not kind of a criticalness of, gee, comparing and how do I fit in here or am I fitting in and worrying about all that. Our attitude ought to be one of thankfulness. Lord, thank you for making me part of the body. Thank you for giving me these people to learn to love and to fit into and to use my gifts to build up one another that the body might grow and be healthy. Another implication is that that person next to you has the very DNA of Christ, the very life of the Spirit. And that's the most important thing about them. So as you look at them, as you think about ministering to one another and caring for one another, think about how you can encourage that life of Christ to grow in that person next to you, that spouse or that friend or that person you don't even know. 
I'm not here ultimately to get my needs met. I'm here to be part of the body of Christ, to lift up Christ, to submit to the head, and to learn to minister out of the gifts that God has given me. We can expect tensions. We can expect difficulties in the body. That's part of the fact that the DNA isn't really fully developed. (laughs) So we sin against one another and have to forgive each other. We'll talk more about this next week. But our unity is based on God in us, not on common likes or dislikes or worship styles (laughs) or traditions or backgrounds. Those things aren't the body of Christ. Ultimately, the body of Christ is us created by God under his headship, built by him, empowered by the life of the Spirit in us. So as we enter church on a Sunday morning or as we rub shoulders with other Christians, our attitude ought not be, I wonder what I'll get out of it today. Oh no, Jackson's preaching, probably nothing. (laughs) No, our attitude needs to be, Lord, thank you I get to be part of this body. Thank you that I can be here. How do you want to speak to me through the body of Christ today? And how do you want to use me to build up your body today? Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you've put us in the body, that it's your creation, that it's a spiritual creation, not ultimately a human one. Help us, Lord, to live out what you've called us to be as parts of the body of Christ. Thank you that you are the head. Help us to follow you as head and to learn to love one another as the body of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.